0: on the Amateur Film School. I'm Brandon.
1: And I'm Sarah.
0: And today, we are keeping with the TV show month theme, and we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones, particularly season six, episode 10, the finale.
1: The best episode of any TV show ever. Sure. Sure. I'm not going
0: to argue it. I don't know if it's true, but I'm not going to argue it. Can you think of it? Because it's really good.
1: I'm starting early this time. Can you think of a TV show that has an episode that's better? Maybe not I mean, right it's after pretty... wa- We just watched it, so yeah.
0: it's, it's on the brain right now. But yeah, it is really good. Um,
1: so just to kind of give background um, to six seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah,
0: so just in case you were worried, spoiler alert.
1: Yeah. But... Um, if you're not caught up. So it's basically tying everything up from the last pie f- pie. It's basically tying everything up from the last five seasons. you have
0: God, there's Cersei. Just so many characters. In these yeah, there's lines. just
1: so much to plot like to just give like a synopsis. yeah, but
0: they do a really good job of tying up all the loose ends, getting all the storylines in place. Yeah, um, getting
1: them ready for the next season. because like
0: after six seasons, all the storylines are kind of coming to a head now where you had people on different continents in different cities doing their own thing, but now everyone's sort of going to meet in the same place uh, here probably in the next season.
1: Yeah, so Cersei's gone off her rocker. She's finally gotten what she wanted. She's on the throne. Um, you have Daenerys finally getting her shit together. So she has
0: what she's wanted, just like Tyrion says, since she, uh, the day that she first wanted anything was to have an army, to have ships, and then to be on her way to the west. To yeah. take back the continent, basically.
1: Yeah, and then Who else is doing shit? Um A
0: lot of people are getting what they want. Yeah. Well, Aria's John... gotten what she wanted. She killed Walder Frey. Yeah. John's gotten Winterfell back. With... It's
1: not really what he wanted, though. Right. He never I feel like John is one of those people who never really wanted to be in charge. He just keeps getting thrown into that leader yeah. position.
0: Like every time they're like, Hey, you're gonna be the in charge, he's like, but I Okay,
1: <laughs> he just looks eternally
0: upset, right? And but he never turns it down, which I think is yeah a big part of his character. I think is that even though it's thrust upon him, he'll he'll take it and he'll do his best with it, even if it's not what he wanted.
1: Yeah. Uh, who else? Sansa has Winterfell back. Mm-hmm. Um, Baelish does not have what he wants.
0: Not at all. No.
1: Um. Hopefully, he never gets what he wants. Yeah, because it's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: He's one of the characters that I kind of want to be successful but then every time he just finds a way to make me not like him anymore.
1: Like when he's on, on screen I'm like, "Oh, he wasn't too bad." And then he comes back and, yeah, you're, and
0: like, you're like, "Oh, yeah." Oh.
1: Um, there's just like this can kind of segue into acting here, but there are so many good actors.
0: Oh, yeah. Like like all the of them. casting
1: in the show is ridiculously good. Like, I don't
0: think there's any character or actor that I dislike because of the acting specifically.
1: Yeah. Um I forget who I read it. I think it was who's the director of Slumdog Millionaire? Oh. Danny Boyle. Right. Um Danny Boyle in an interview about one of his other movies Millionaire. Um
0: Millionaire as opposed to Slumdog Millionaire?
1: No, sorry. It's called Millions. Okay. Um he says that you never want to work with children or animals.
0: Mhm. Because it can be, like, extremely difficult.
1: Yeah, because it's, like, kids just do whatever the fuck they right. want. And then they have, like, limited time. Animals do whatever the time. fuck they want. Yeah. yeah. But I just feel like in this show, all the children actors are so good. So yeah. I don't know what they do, if they're, like, holding a juice box off screen or something. But um, who's the... Liana. Yeah. The Liana Mormont. Um, that speech that she has near the end. Yeah,
0: she's, like, an 11-year-old and she's out speaking, like, grown men.
1: Yeah, like, it's so amazing, and her character is so... just amazing, right? Yeah. But she, the actress is only, like, 10 or 11, right? Yeah, she's, right? like,
0: a third of the size of everyone.
1: Yeah, and even, um, the Stark children, when the show began... hmm Um, like, they're... I mean, I'm pretty sure they're all adults now. Yeah, they are. But they're still pretty young. But, yeah, like, the kids are even able to give these, like, really subtle performances. hmm so, I don't know if they're just editing it around it, but, like... Either way. Yeah. You're
0: getting great performances out of it.
1: Um, because I feel like we are watching these characters, like, grow up on screen. Like, Tommen, he was, he was like, a baby when it started, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, Like, he was, like, five or seven, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And now, just, like, his he's such a quiet, leveled performance when he's, like, about to, like, jump off. Out of a window. yeah. King's Landing
0: but I'm um, t- Westerosi humor
1: yeah who's, who's probably your favorite actor from the show
0: oh no no I can't even answer that
1: yeah like were there any performances though that stood out to you in this episode in particular
0: in this episode well like you just said Tommen's performance was really good like just how quiet he was and how quiet the whole sequence was basically mm-hmm. which we, we'll get to um because it was a lot of internalizing what was going on and it was, I mean, okay, so he commits suicide. Um, so that had to be what was going through his head that whole time. And it was a lot of silence and just reading his face, mm-hmm. um, to him reacting what's going on. Uh, That's a, a good lot... idea. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically his wife is dead. Um.
1: Marjorie. God, there's a lot of people dead. <laughs>
0: there's too many people dead.
1: Well, I mean, Cersei blew up that building.
0: Yeah. Uh. Which we'll get to a, that in a second it was a answer. brilliant plan it didn't do very well for all the characters that i love but you know it's okay um so yeah, his performance sticks out uh you did talk about um the girl that plays leona mormon also mm-hmm. uh, she's very powerful even though she's like a tiny little girl in comparison to the people around her um but also liam cunningham who it plays sir davos uh the oh, scene where he like he's always amazing. Yeah.
1: how is he won an Emmy yet?
0: He should have. That scene, it's really powerful because basically, you know, Shireen was like his daughter.
1: Okay, so we're talking now about the scene where um, Davos confronts um what's her name? I was Melisandre. Yeah, and Jon Snow about the death of the princess Shireen, um who she Mel- Melisandra basically
0: told her father or to told, set on, like, yeah. she was
1: burned alive at the stake yeah
0: in order to help them like win the battle or whatever
1: yeah and so the scene where he like confronts them
0: yeah and he's like tell him what you did and yeah like, you killed a little girl to you know win this battle and it didn't even do anything and uh she's like i did it because the lord commanded and he's like well if your lord commands you to kill children then your lord is evil and just like the emotion and the passion in his voice that that's probably gonna be my favorite actually i'm gonna go with that yeah for my favorite performance in this episode.
1: Um, mine? hmm I know you're gonna disagree, because <laughs> you hate her, but... Lena Headey.
0: I mean, I don't hate her. Yeah. I hate her character.
1: The scene where she's talking to the nun lady, the shame lady. Shame Bell. Wait, that's not her
0: name. Uh, yeah, the... Yeah, yeah the I can't lady. ever remember her name. her name. There's so many characters Except in the uh, show. Except Ulena, I think that's what it is.
1: Yeah. And... The scene is so quiet... And you really, I feel like that scene really tells you about who Cersei is as mm-hmm. a person more than any other scene. Because she's talking about what feels good to her. Yeah. And it's like, she's talking, she's like, it feels good, it felt good to kill my husband, it felt good to fuck my brother, it right. felt good to protect my children.
0: It feels good to lie about being with my brother. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And it's just like, I love that they let her play that out Mm -hmm. because there's no music underneath it there's barely any noises you hear like crackling from like the torches and stuff yeah but that's it it's Mm -hmm. just her speaking yeah you know um and i really like that the show lets their actors do that where it'll hold on them and let them give a performance yeah and so i just thought that was really cool because it just that's cersei right Mm -hmm. that's her whole character she wants to protect her children and she like is in love with her brother right and that's what motivates her is her children. And now that that's gone, it's yeah. like, who's she going to be now?
0: Yeah. And to that effect, that scene, and because of her acting, you know, I just said I hate her character. But I don't hate her character because of her, I hate what she's done. Yeah. But like the complexity and the layers to her character, I love that. I love villains that you can feel for sometimes because in that scene where she's mm-hmm. explaining the things that she likes and the things that make her feel good, like I'm like, everyone has things that they like that makes them feel good. And maybe you're not doing the best things to get that. Yeah. <laughs> but you still have to feel, you know, she just wants what she wants, just like you want what you want and what other and other people want they want. Um so yeah, she's definitely a great actress. Um
1: but yeah, that was probably my favorite performance from the scene. Mm-hmm. Also the scene near the end where that's one thing that I really like about this show is they they assume that you've seen every episode and right. so that you're going to understand these subtle glances and looks mm-hmm. and stuff.
0: Yeah, we talked about that.
1: Yeah. Um, like near the end where she's on the throne and her brother comes in, Jamie, um, and they share a look.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? And there's like a whole story behind that look. Yeah, right there.
1: because it's basically he killed his original king mm-hmm. because he was gonna blow up the city with wildfire. Right. But now, the woman that he thought he was in love with
0: has has gone and done it
1: anyway, and she's on the throne. Right. And all of his children are dead, and And he has nothing. It's
0: like the ultimate betrayal for him. Yeah. Because, like, people ostracize him, and make fun of him for being the Kingslayer, because he stopped the king from doing that. And then his sister, who he thinks he loves, or who maybe he still does love, but now he's, like, conflicted about it. She's done the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. Nicolaj. Nicolaj. But yeah, I mean, the show is just full of amazing performances. Yeah,
0: and another one of the subtleties that you brought up during the episode was when they're doing the whole King in the North thing for John, and mm-hmm. Baelish is sitting there kind of off to the side, and he looks at Sansa and he's like, you see what's going to happen now, because I want to be on the throne, but now they want your brother on the throne, so you're going to have to pick between us, or, you know, this isn't going to be as easy as maybe they're making it seem. Yeah. Because he has plans of his own, so.
1: Yeah, Baelish is another one of those, like, quietly devious people, where mm-hmm. you don't, I mean, you know his motivation, mm-hmm. and you've seen what he has done to get there, right. and it's just really subtly scary, because yeah. he's just, like, that little pointy beard. Mm-hmm.
0: And then he can manipulate people. He's the one
1: that we <laughs> most, like... The one the thing that I love about the show is, like, there's, like, this... And even the books is there's a moral gray area, mm-hmm. where no... In a lot of fantasy shows, you get hung up on good and evil. Right. Where, um, like, Once Upon a Time, it's, like... Well, more so um, in the first season, it's, yeah. like and I know that they've kind of deviated away from it, but it's like the wicked witch is evil mm-hmm. and the, and then, you know, this person is good, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of it will get hung up in that, but I feel like Game of Thrones has transcended that because they really just give everybody these gray areas yeah. where it's like you can't really say if it, they're good or evil because it's like, well, what motivates them to get yeah, there? Yeah, and
0: like what's the world they're living in because you can't compare it to our own. They have motivations that maybe we can't even possibly have. Um, I
1: feel like... Actually, I disagree with you, because I feel like it is relatable. And I feel like that's why it's so popular, Mm -hmm. is that even though they are, like, dealing with dragons and, like, kingslayers and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. there is something very real. Like, there's a family drama beneath it. Right,
0: right. That's fair.
1: That's relatable.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is kind of segueing into directing. But do you want to talk about the opening sequence?
0: Do I want to talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) We watched the opening sequence, and I was about to say, okay, we can just start recording the podcast now. Yeah. Because, oh my goodness.
1: The opening sequence made this episode, I feel like. It
0: really did. Like, there's all the stuff that happens after it, but the opening sequence. I mean, the episode even goes back to it at the end when Cersei's being crowned, and it plays the song kind of in the background. Um, I feel
1: like we need to talk about music and directing. Yeah, because they go so well
0: together in this episode. uh, Because, yeah, let's do that.
1: (laughs) It's one of those scenes where you can't tell which came first. The scene, like, if they edited the scene and then um, did the orchestra over it. Mm -hmm. Or if they did the orchestra and then edited the scene to Yeah,
0: because they just work so seamlessly together. Yeah. Um, It kind of crescendos and decrescendos and... Gets more intense and less intense at the right moments.
1: There's like barely any talking for the first ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then it like has this aside where they're dealing with Loris and the high sparrow, mm-hmm. and then it's quiet again. Right. Like a lot of it's just like letting the music sit in the front and tell the story. Yeah,
0: it's it's telling the story. It's leading the charge, basically. Yeah. Um. There's the... like
1: so much to talk about it that I don't even know where to. It's start
0: overwhelming. About. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, basically, what's happening is the trial is about to go underway for Loras and Cersei. They have, like, separate trials, but they're on the same day.
1: The trial is with the church, though. It's not, like, law nor... Yeah, it's, like, theocracy here. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, they're about to have their trials or whatever, and, um... uh, Cersei doesn't show up. Tommen doesn't show up. And Marjorie's getting a bit, you know, antsy about it. Because it's like, well, why isn't she showing up? There must be a reason why she's not showing up. Um all the meanwhile the music is building you know slowly Mm -hmm. keeping you on your toes and then it's going back and forth between uh the church and the red keep which is the castle place uh where cersei is and where tommen is um one of the things i wanted to point out was the juxtaposition of how people get dressed in the morning Mm -hmm. basically before the trial so you see um tommen and cersei and Marjorie all have people attending to their every need they're putting their clothes on They're putting their necklaces on, their rings on, um, and their crowns and everything. And then it cuts to the High Sparrow, who's the religious leader, and, you know, he's putting his shirt on himself. And um, Grand Maester Pycelle puts on his shirt by himself. Um, And it also cuts to him In bed with another woman. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which is, like, the great irony of his character, right, is that maesters are supposed to be celibate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he, like, he's like, fuck that, you know, whatever. Yeah cuz there's a scene in the first season I want to say where um he acts like all old and feeble, mm-hmm. right? But then it's like he like cracks his back and then jumps up and down after banging a woman. Yeah. And it's like every character kind of has these hidden depths, mm-hmm. and I I really like the like callback to that with yeah. his especially since it's probably the last time we see him.
0: Yeah, cuz he gets stabbed to death by children. Yeah, which is probably children. one of the creepiest scenes in this episode. Because um, none
1: of the children look happy to do it. Yeah.
0: They look like they're just being told, which I'm sure they were.
1: Well, yeah, I don't think the kids had any great <laughs> debts. Kill this them. old man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um And then the scene continues, music keeps building. Um Lancel Lannister, who is one of the um what are they called? Faith militant. Yeah. They're like the the army of the religion basically.
1: It's like the Ku Klux Klan.
0: Yeah. Um he's play he plays our eyes um when he leaves the church uh which I think was important because it was a good way to show what was going on without just like cutting to what's going on. So like they
1: didn't just cuz the whole crescendo of this scene, the sequence, I mean, mm-hmm. is that the um the church blows up yeah. because of the wildfire underneath,
0: which is like this chemical. Yeah, basically. which
1: um Cersei commands, right? Mm-hmm. And so Instead of just, like, having it blow up and having your audience being like, what the fuck just happened? They
0: spend, like, 10 to 15 minutes...
1: They lead you down into the yeah. dungeons with Lancel, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, they're kind of, like, leading you on, like, yeah. hey, come on. Something's gonna happen down here. Like, it doesn't necessarily make sense for Lancel's character to have done that, Yeah, but we needed a good audience proxy. Mm-hmm.
0: So he gets sent out of the church, and then he follows his boy down there. Because he's yeah. like, what's this kid doing down there? And here? then
1: the boy stabs him so he can't get away. Mm-hmm. And, and then so he... then you see the big reveal mm-hmm. and it's the, like it hits that high point of the music where it's like duh, duh, yeah. duh, 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 and it like like that wide it shot of all that's of that. Annoying. It's not just one barrel of wildfire. It's like
0: ten thousand.
1: Yeah. That was really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the fire, the candle that the little boy lights, it like hits it and then it lights it. Yeah. Um and then everything just explodes basically.
1: Yeah, and you can see that like brief flash in Lancel's yeah, eyes. Yeah, they like
0: put the reflection of the fire into his eyes mm-hmm. just before it all goes up.
1: I feel like the visuals have gone like the visual effects have gone a lot better in the mm-hmm. show over the for years. For sure, for sure. And it's probably as they get more budget. Yeah. Cuz I know the budget
0: <laughs> is like gigantic at this Like point. maybe
1: they can go up back to the first season, and clean up the dragons in yeah. the second <laughs> just season. A little bit. Um but yeah. Uh, it's just, a. it's probably one of my favorite sequences. Yeah, in like, any there's
0: teacher. so much to say about it, but at the same time, like you said, it's so overwhelming that I can't even put it into words. It's something that you need to see and hear to, like, experience it.
1: And then the best punctuation of that scene mm-hmm. is when Tommen.
0: Yes. Right. So, after the church explodes, basically. Um...
1: Tommen is watching from his bedroom window, and it's really nice framing. You get the full window, mm-hmm. and it fills the screen, and so you're looking out. Across the kingdom, and you just see the church burning off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at it,
0: and he thinks for a while,
1: and then he steps away, and where no one is no in the scene. In the sh- yeah, and it's just that the window, um,
0: and you sit there for and like it holds on it 10 seconds at least.
1: Yeah, and then he comes back into the frame, he no longer has his crown on, mm-hmm. you know, and he just steps out the window
0: and he just falls. No sound, and then your favorite part.
1: Yes! Oh, yes! So like, as if
0: timed perfectly, as Tommen splats on the ground, which you don't see, but you know what happens because he yeah. jumped out a window.
1: What is it that he says? I wrote it down.
0: He says, "For House Lannister."
1: Yeah, so it's like as the Lannister king is falling to his death, mm-hmm. you hear Frey say, "For House Lannister," and, it and it it's such like visual I- irony
0: and, and auditory irony. Yeah, it's great. Not, like, what happened, but...
1: <laughs> yeah. But just that, like, I don't know.
0: The way that they finished off that scene.
1: It's just that nice little jab in the gut. Yeah. And, you know, just to really end that sequence. Mm-hmm. It was just so good.
0: Um, Are mm-hmm.
1: there any other, like... I know, I know we talked about a lot of subtleties in acting and stuff. Um,
0: There's a lot of stuff that you I guess you see the second time around, which is what happens a lot when you watch film and TV um one of the ones we talked about was Arya in the Frey celebration uh, lannister Frey celebration yeah because at first um obviously you don't know that she's there um there's this girl who's like serving drinks or whatever
1: yeah the um, servant girl mm-hmm.
0: and she's like eyeing jamie and walder when they're having their conversation mm-hmm. and it was like it kind of felt weird because you're like who's this girl what she's doing or what is she doing because you don't know that Arya's is already there
1: it's a misdirect so the servant is Arya in disguise
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and at first you just think that you're supposed to see Jamie as, like, this, like, ha <coughs> suave dude. Yeah. So suave that anybody will just fall over.
0: Yeah, be- Braun even makes that point. He's like, you don't have to do anything, do you? Because yeah. all the girls just, like, stare at him.
1: Yeah. Um, and so you think it's just that, but then it's like, no, she's watching them for her perfect time to strike. Mm-hmm. And I didn't catch that the first time. I did not at all. Like, I noticed her, like, once when she was pouring the wine or whatever, yeah. but then I didn't realize it cut back to her, like, three more times in that yeah. scene. Yeah, because
0: they made it a point to let you know, hey, she this girl's here. She may not be important. She's just, you know, serving wine or whatever. Yeah. But then you're right, that they cut to her multiple times, like, you know, watching back at them.
1: Isn't it, like, a rule of three in movies? If she shows something three times, then it's probably important. Right.
0: And guess what? It's important.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I feel like the shows definitely, um, along with a few others, have really helped make TV shows more cinematic.
0: Oh yeah. Um, And it's one of those things where, I don't know, because there's a lot of shows that are super popular, like Breaking Bad and Walking Dead, where I haven't watched them. That's on me. You know, I might not be interested in it or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I know that there's still shows that are cinematically pleasing and visually pleasing. Where it might, you may not be interested in the story or the world or what's going on, but I watch Game of Thrones, but I know there's a lot of people that don't watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But I'd recommend you watch it just because of what it looks like and what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, Which is great for the media, not the media, the medium of television as a whole, because um, I feel like people are moving away from film to television.
1: Well, I think it's... we kind of, I don't know if we talked about this in a podcast or if we talked about it. Just like. Just
0: in everyday conversation. those rare times yeah. when we hang out. Yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> um, But how movies are trying to do that, too, where the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe... Right, where you're trying to create a larger story. You want more story. bang for your buck, and mm-hmm. so you want this whole o- overarching story. And so TV offers that because it lets you... Yeah,
0: I think we did talk about it in the podcast, where it's like TVs are more about... Or TVs. TV shows are about world building more than they are the singular plot. Yeah. Which is why, you know, Game of Thrones is 60 episodes long so far and they're not done because they spend so much time creating this world that you can get lost in.
1: I think that's what's so amazing about this episode. I was talking about, I want to pick an episode that I would show somebody to get them interested in this episode. Mm-hmm. But now thinking about it, I don't know that that would show the, this episode just because it takes six seasons of buildup to... for all of this payoff. Yeah, there's for all so many payoffs things. in this episode. Yeah. Right. Um, well, even in the episode before where you see the, finally, the Starks are back in Winterfell because they hadn't held it for four seasons. Yeah. And so it's like this slow build up, and then you finally, it's like being able to wait for it. mm mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for the next two seasons.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm disappointed that, I'm not disappointed, but I guess I'm sad that it's not going to go on any longer than that. But, you know, maybe don't beat a dead horse, even though it's not dead. Yeah. but you know don't milk it for too long because maybe you'll lose quality but
1: and that's why i'm glad that they're going for the shorter seasons too mm-hmm. they're it's gonna because put they're, more budget yeah they're allowed to put more into each episode yeah and i like that tv is kind of going towards that trend because i feel like it started with lost where lost didn't really do um the standard which is You start in September, you show 12 episodes, you take a winter break, you come back in February and you show 12 episodes. So you have this 24 episode uh, season, Mm -hmm. you know, and you go for 10 years and so you have 240 episodes. But TV is moving to this trend of having shorter seasons, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 to 12 episodes for the whole season. Yeah. Right. Because Lost would do it where they would start in like March or April. Right? And then they would just... Each week, it'd be like, you get them all as one chunk. That Mm -hmm. way, I feel like it gives you more opportunity to... It, like, feels more cohesive, is what I want to say. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that a lot of TV shows run into too many filler episodes. Where it, like, interjects into the main plot, where you'd rather just sit and wait, maybe, longer. Like, have a longer hiatus and have less episodes, but have it all be plot-focused.
1: Yeah, have like one big overarching story, right? Because I know in Buffy, each season they would have like the big bad. I think Mm -hmm. is what they called it, right? Yeah, um, and the whole season each season would be leading up to their big fight, Mm -hmm. right? And so then you'd get a lot of filler episodes. Yeah, Buffy probably has the best filler episodes of any TV show. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. There are good filler episodes sometimes. But still, it's like if you want it to be more cohesive and contained story, if you do shorter seasons, then you're allowed to do that more. Yeah. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for like longer seasons of things. Mm-hmm.
0: Because that's what a lot of TV is right now, still.
1: Especially like procedurals and stuff. Oh yeah. Then it's like you just have the um, case of the week and stuff. Yeah. But...
0: And it seems like the filler for that is like the overarching like myth archetype stuff, whereas mm-hmm. pre- and then the procedural stuff is just like every episode is like a filler for itself.
1: Yeah, like each episode like kind of stands alone. Mm-hmm. Um like very rarely do they have like a big bad in, like CSI or whatever. Yeah,
0: sometimes they do and it takes place over maybe 3 or 4 episodes or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's mainly focused on just hey, you can drop in in the show whenever you want and you can watch them solve a crime.
1: Yeah. But I really like the direction that TV is going.
0: Yeah, I do too. It seems like Yeah, like you said, they're shortening it um to be able to tell that story in yeah. less of a fragmented way, I guess. Um, and then t- uh, movies are moving towards TV in a way, too. So they're kind of, like, meeting in the middle. And I like the directions that they're both going.
1: We're just going to have four-hour movies at some point. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what a lot of these TV shows are. It's mm-hmm. like Stranger Things. It's like...
0: It's an eight-hour movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Without the theme song, I wouldn't even bother with it. Yeah. <laughs> Without With the credits mm-hmm. at the beginning. Because if you just edit that out, then it's
0: basically... Yeah, you can just watch it all in one. Yeah. They do have, like, the slight cliffhangers, but they know that they're releasing it all at once, so you don't have to really, you know, keep people on the edge of their seats after every episode, you know, after every hour, you don't have to be like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. You can just lead straight into it.
1: Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Um,
0: watch Game of Thrones.
1: Yes, if you haven't already. I mean, Jesus.
0: If you've listened to this and you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um...
0: So TV Month will continue.
1: I think I know what I'm going to make you watch next week.
0: Make me watch?
1: We'll watch together. Oh, okay. Gladly. Without force. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. And what's that going to be? I think I want to make you watch the pilot episode of Lost. Okay.
0: Have you seen it? I haven't.
1: Okay. Then that'll be fun, because it's really good. Okay. Yeah. So So, be on the lookout for that. JJ
0: Abrams. And then JJ Abrams again.
1: Did we do a JJ Abrams?
0: No, I meant after that. If we were gonna do Westworld, I don't know if we're doing Westworld.
1: I don't think I wanted to do Westworld because of the since it's not like a contest no, season not yet, so we yet. don't know.
0: Okay. Never mind then.
1: I'll cut that up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, where can they find us?
0: The lovely people out in the world can find us on Twitter at Am Film School and Facebook at amateur film school.
1: Yes, and if you have any comments, suggestions you can email us at amateurfilmschool at gmail.com
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we'll talk to you next week. Yep. You I'm not saying it.
0: That's a wrap.